Praise the Lord, everybody. Come on, good morning, everybody. We greet you in the grace, peace, joy, and love of God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Love to the family. Thank God for his love that we can share with one another. Come on, somebody make a joyful noise to the Lord. Yeah. The thing I love about that admonition is you don't need harmony. You don't need to be in pitch or tune or anything. You can just make some noise. Everybody can make some noise. Amen. So that's a universal universal call and decree. Uh, for those of you who are watching via the World Wide Web, thank you for being with us today. I'm Dr. D.Z. Cofield, senior pastor here at the Good Hope Missionary Baptist Church, and I want to thank you today for the privilege of your time. Thank you for being with us, allowing us into your space to inform your head, inspire your heart, and encourage your spirit to be all that God wants you to be. And remember, uh, we want you to like us and love us, share us with family members and friends, let them know there's never been a better time for hope. And remember, you're not watching to make us a big church or me a big preacher. We're here to help you become the biggest and best Christian you can possibly be. We've got some exciting things uh, coming up. Uh, this past week was a really, really powerful week as I've been working through some things regarding how we're going to uh, take I Hope Church. I'm pulling I Hope Church out a little bit, tweaking some things. Uh, along with uh, some other endeavors that I'm involved in to help take hope to the world. And I'm looking forward to what God is going to do in the upcoming days. Let me thank those of you who came and hung out with us down in Bay City on last week. Went to the Mother Zion Missionary Baptist Church in Bay City to celebrate my mentee's second anniversary, Pastor Clement Hall. And uh, we're certainly going to continue to lift he and his wife and his son, their family in prayer, uh, that God will continue to do a great work through them. Um, I want to remind you that this is the only Sunday that is available to vote. And I was thinking <clears throat> this past week as I was uh, just thinking about encouraging you to vote, how significant primary elections are in the history of this church uh, this church was organized in 1872. Father Grantham was a freed slave by that time who became our founding pastor here at the Good Hope Church. And what you may or may not be aware of is in 1944, in 1944, the Supreme Court of these United States in the case Smith versus Allwright made a decision that changed voting rights around this country and it was given birth to out of this church. Lonnie Smith was a trustee here at the Good Hope Church. He was a dentist by profession. He was selected to be the plaintiff in the Smith versus Allwright lawsuit because it was not believed that white people would be able to hurt his business because 90% of his business as a dentist was in the African-American community. Democratic primaries were closed to black people. We could not vote in Democratic primaries in Harris County because Harris County treated the Democratic Party like it was a private club. And Lonnie Smith, under the leadership of our then pastor, Dr. A.A. A. Lucas, filed a lawsuit and it went all the way to the Supreme Court. It was argued in 1944 by the legendary 
Thurgood Marshall, and we won. And Dr. Lonnie Smith has gone down in history as the man who allowed and opened up the door for African Americans to have the right to vote in a primary election. Come on, let's thank God for that. Amen. Now, I say that because we are in primary season, and a lot of times we want to wait for the presidential election to come out, and we do a really, really poor job of voting uh, across the board. I think something like 7%, 7% of registered voters actually voted in the November election and even less voted in the primary election. And we have uh, several strong candidates who are running on the Democratic side, and I want to encourage you to get out and vote. Uh, history was made at this church, giving us the opportunity to vote, not just here in Harris County, but around this country. It was precedent setting, and it struck down so many attempts to keep us from voting a right that our foreparents fought for us to have. And so I hope and pray that you would take the time, remember wherever you are, in the county, if you're registered in Harris County, live in Harris County, uh, you can vote anywhere. And if you live in another county, you have that privilege as well. But I certainly want to encourage all of you to get out and vote. Rooted and grounded, make some noise. Man, we are super excited about what God is doing in our church. You know, one of the things I was telling Reverend Bell this morning is when God is doing something great, it's easy to get involved when it's new, but you've got to stay with it so that now what is new becomes your norm, right? In other words, when the newness wears off, you got to say, no, 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 I'm locking in because this is a blessing. This is changing my life. Uh, this week, we're in week seven. You are shaped to serve. PDL groups are back on reading schedule. And you can go to the hub for additional resources. Uh, everyone this week should be winding up your service projects. Everyone this week, all groups, should be winding up your service projects. And remember, you do not serve because it's convenient. You serve because you are committed. Amen? And so if, you know, Saturday at 10 o'clock is taken, that doesn't mean you don't serve. You find out when the people we are going to serve, need help. And that's when we need to get there. When we go to the beacon, uh, it's, it's seven in the morning or 10 in the morning. Uh, they got two shifts and you know we find out what day they have available. I remember, <clears throat> if you remember when I preached from down there and I told Brother Ronald, the director, I said, well, we're gonna come on Sunday morning. That seems to be the only day you have available. And he said, how you gonna do that, Rev? You got church on Sunday. I said, because we're not committed to just having church, we want to be church. So it's, it's a nice thing for us to be able to come down on Sunday morning and serve and be who we say God has created us to be. And we had a great time uh, with our group, and I'm looking forward to hearing and seeing the testimonies. Don't forget to uh, upload your pictures and let us know that you have been out there being the salt and light that God has called you to be. We've got a testimony today from one of the brothers who actually was in my group, and uh, he's a great young man. To tell you just a little bit about him, um, I knew him when he was a wee lad of a boy, 
And, and I don't say that facetiously. I mean, I'm talking about when he was a little boy. Uh, I preached for his dad at the uh, Friendship Church, and his mother uh, gave my children piano lessons when they were little kids. And so needless to say, when I saw him and I was looking up at him, I said, you have grown quite a bit since I, since I last saw you. Let's hear Brother Titus's testimony on today. Amen. Man, what a wonderful testimony we heard. I was blessed by participating in Rooted. One standout aspect for me is that it reignited my daily engagement in the Word. I've been consistent attending church and listening to sermons and Bible studies throughout the week, but I've been slacking and studying the Word daily for myself. Rooted reinstated this habit. I highly recommend participating. The curriculum is well-crafted, and the impactful experience and sharing in a small group made a truly enriching journey. Being new to Good Hope, Rooted provided an opportunity to connect with people. Proverbs 27, 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. I'll end with this excerpt from the Rooted Curriculum. Our hope is not in the fact that God is going to fix every problem we face in the way that we want. He rarely does. The hope is knowing God goes with us through this difficult time and comforts, strengthens, guides, and carries us through. Thank God for Rooted and Grounded. Mom V was uh, one of the sweetest ladies. I don't know anybody sweeter. If they were any sweeter, they must be diabetic because she was just super sweet and uh, fought a valiant battle with cancer for years. And, uh, man, it was just a blessing to be able to reconnect with uh, Titus and to have him in my group was a blessing. Now, listen, registration for the spring groups uh, starts on March the 3rd with our spring discipleship session starting April the 7th. And I want to uh, encourage and invite those of you who are watching to participate. Matter of fact, you're going to be hearing from me soon uh, because in 162 different countries, I believe now we're being watched in. Uh, we want to help coalesce you into a group of believers who can make a difference wherever you are in the world. So whether you are in Mexico or France uh, or Canada or Great Britain or South Africa, uh, wherever you are, the Dominican Republic, uh, we want to help equip you to be the salt and light. And we want you to know you're not out there alone. We have families that are watching us in all of those places. And we're gonna do a, a new uh, initiative to help connect you with others who are in your area so you can take hope to the world wherever you are. And we're super, super excited about that. Now, last but not least, y'all, y'all, please, y'all, y'all, y'all got to help me with this. I need y'all to spread the word tonight on Real World, Real Talk. 
I'm going to be doing a two-hour special on how to get your student loans forgiven. It's not just for those who have taken out loans who are students. If you're a parent and you took out a student loan to help your child get through school, we're going to have information to help you get that loan forgiven. Somebody say amen. Um, We have uh, testimonies of people who have gotten, despite the best efforts of those who were fighting uh, President Biden, he has done a tremendous job in finding some loopholes. And we've had people have as much as almost $200,000 in student loan debt wiped away. So I want you to spread that word. If you're watching right now and you're already ready to shout because I didn't say that, you don't even care about the sermon, right? You're like, oh, oh right there. There, there, there it is. That's my, that's my cue. That's my message. Uh, tune in tonight, 6 p.m. Central Time. We're going to be doing a two-hour special uh, on Real World Real Talk on how to get your student loans forgiven. We're going to have a student loan expert to talk about uh, the newest programs that are now coming into the queue and into the pipeline. And if you can't get them all forgiven right now, give you a plan so that in two years, three years, five years, you know exactly what you need to do in order to have your student loan debt wiped away. Everybody say wiped away. Yeah, some of y'all not going back to school because you don't want any more debt. And man, you can get another degree and get that link with your old debt and get it all wiped away. Lord, have mercy. I'm telling you, it's going to be a blessing. So make sure you spread the word. Let's go to God in prayer and ask God's blessings on our time today. Father, we bless you and thank you for the opportunity to spend time in your word. I pray now for both the preaching and hearing of your word, that everything that we do and everything that we say, ah, will be pleasing in your sight and will bring glory and honor to you. We ask you to have your way now. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Everyone, regardless of the field of endeavor they are in, uh, looks for signs of greatness. Uh, Hopefully you can get a head start, a jump on it, right? Um, But Sometimes you have to watch greatness being given birth to. Now, you may not be, for example, a Kansas City Chief fan, but, but you've got to appreciate the greatness of Patrick Mahomes. And, and I remember when Andy Reid uh, let his quarterback go, Alex Smith, who was playing really, really well, to give this rookie an opportunity. And I remember people saying, man, man, Andy Reid has lost his mind, man. Alex Smith is playing some of the best football he has ever played in his life. A former number one pick. And you're going to put Patrick Mahomes in there? But, oh, my God, have we seen greatness come out of this brother. So much so that I'm sure if they had the draft all over again, He wouldn't have been available when the Kansas City Chiefs picked. He'd have gone number one. But the top teams who were picking in that draft did not see the greatness that was within him. Uh, Great employers are a place that people want to work. You hear people, for example, 
who work for Southwest Airlines, and they talk about, man, how great it is to work there. I just talked to a friend not long ago who took a job with uh, Walmart. He is in Bentonville, Arkansas. Never been in Bentonville in his life. And he was talking about, man, how crazy it is to work for Walmart. He, he, he took a job. He's an executive there. And they told him, they said, well, listen, uh, if you wait until after this date to accept the job, you won't be eligible for stock options and bonuses for this year. And he said, I'll be there right away. <laughs> right? But, but he couldn't believe that they were that generous and that they actually told him. Say, hey, man, you need to come right away so you'll be eligible for this year's bonuses and the dividends from this year's stock options. I think most of us would say, man, that's, that, that sounds like a pretty good place to, to work. I, I remember uh, when I worked at Glen Mill Schools, and this was years ago, and, but some of you will appreciate this. When Brandon was born, I didn't even get a bill. They paid everything. It was like 100% coverage. I didn't have to pay for my benefits, and then I had no co-pays. They took care of everything and gave me a house to live in. I'm like, Lord Jesus, can I go back? I don't know, right? Uh, we, we, we always want to identify greatness. We, we want in the school district, we want great teachers, and, and we look for great teachers, and we try to identify great teachers by the student outcomes that they uh, produce out of their classes. But, but here's the question I want to ask you. What is the sign of a great Christian? What is the sign of a great Christian? See, most of us, when we think about being a great Christian, we think about, number one, church attendance. You know, do you come to church all the time, right? And then, then if we really want them to be great, we might say, well, that's a good Christian, but, but if they're going to be a great Christian, they got to come to Sunday school or Bible study. That, that, that's going to make them uh, great. Or, or, or maybe they have to be a faithful giver. That, that's going to make them a great Christian. And what's amazing is, listen carefully, when we define great Christians, we define great Christians more times than not based on what they do inside these four walls. We don't define great Christianity by who we are in the streets. We define great Christians by how we attend in the sanctuary. Uh, in our text today, uh, Jesus uh, shocks his disciples. He, he turns their uh, leadership ideology upside down. Je Jesus gives them uh, what they were not expecting. They, they were talking about greatness, and they were looking to the left, and Jesus said, no, when you look for greatness in the kingdom, you got to come from the right. They were looking at it, thinking about where they stood and where they would sit. And Jesus said, no, greatness is not defined by where you stand or where you sit. Greatness is defined by how you serve. And for a few moments today, I want to talk to you from the thought, the sign you are a great Christian. The sign you are a great Christian. If you have your outlines, would you say amen? If you need an outline, raise your hand. The ushers will get one to you. For those of you who are watching, you can go to our website or go to our app, download the app, and you can fill in the blanks on that PDF 
form in the app. In Mark chapter 9, verse 33 and 35, uh, we, we have this response to James and John who have aroused deep resentment among the rest of the disciples. Uh, the subject of greatness comes up. And listen to what it says, verse 33. And they came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, what were you discussing on the way? But they kept silent, for on the way they had argued with one another about who was the greatest. And he sat down and called the twelve. And he said to them, if anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. They're actually talking amongst themselves. Which one, which one is the better preacher? Which, which one has stronger faith? Which, which one is closest to Jesus? And, and Jesus says, oh, you can get close to me, but, but I don't know if you want to pay the price. Um, I was uh, driving this week from East Texas. I had a series of meetings up there, and as I was driving, I was listening to uh, noted black theologian James Cone. I, I don't know what made me put him on. I said, man, let, let, me, just, let me just hear some of his stuff because uh, going to white evangelical schools, James Cone was bad. James Cone was evil. And I said, man, let me, let me listen to him because I really, you know, hadn't spent a lot of time and, and I'm listening to him. And, and, and there was something that he said. It, it was in a room full of, of white liberal Christians, right? White liberal Christians. And, and one of the ladies uh, wanted to first quantify herself by saying, uh, basically, you are in our church. She's Presbyterian. So you are in our church. And, and our pastor, our founding pastor, marched in Selma. And, and it was amazing because Dr. Cohen, he has a very, very unique voice. And he was like, uh-huh. Like, not really impressed by that, but okay. And then she said, and... Uh, I don't know if our pastor told you that, that this location was part of the Underground Railroad. And he's like, uh -huh. And then she said, uh, Dr. Cohen, I want to know, what can we do to change the world? What, what can we do to make things right? What can we do to address race relations? And Dr. Cohen says, you already know what to do. And she's like, well, what, what should we do? He said, no, no, you already know what to do. The question is not what to do. The question is, are you willing to pay the price? Man, I almost pulled my car over and got out the car and started shouting. I said, God, dog. Because I was thinking how many times as a Christian, we know what to do. We just don't want to pay the price. These disciples are arguing over who's the greatest. And it's as if Jesus says, oh, we can figure out who's the greatest. The question is just, do you want to pay the price? Right? Because when we think about greatness, Jesus paid the price by giving his life. We're in Black History Month. Thousands of thousands of men and women of color gave their life and took whippings 
because they were willing to pay the price. We, we don't want to be inconvenienced in going to vote. We, we get mad if we got to maybe stand in line. And folk got their heads bashed and beaten in and sent to the hospital just to get a chance to vote. He said, and when it comes to this walk with God, he says, are you willing to pay the price? So here, uh, James and John, they're discussing this thing about greatness, and, and they imagine that this discussion is over, right? It, it's been settled. G Jesus tells them. Jesus said, if anyone would be first, he must be last of all. But here comes this disharmony again among the 12. And Jesus takes the time to reemphasize the meaning of true greatness in the kingdom of God. And I want you to notice something about this definition of being great in the kingdom. It is absent of a requirement to have certain gifts, talents, or abilities. Right? In other words, it's not, oh, you are a better singer than, or you are a better preacher than. He said, no, 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 no. We will define greatness by the exercising of your will as you subjugate yourself and move out of the place of selfishness where your flesh would normally take you to a place of serving. Here are three things I want you to see real quick. We're talking about the sign you are a great Christian. Number one, you need to realize the Lord expects you to relate to others differently than unbelievers and the unspiritual. He expects you to relate to others differently than unbelievers and the unspiritual. Mark chapter 10, verse 42, the New King James translation reads, but Jesus called them to himself and said to them, you know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to be great among you shall be your servant. In the midst of their selfish request, Jesus says to them and makes it clear there is a difference between the measurement and standards of greatness in the world and the measurement and standard of greatness in the kingdom of God. In verse 42, he says, uh, the Gentile rulers, they lord it over them. Now, here's the truth of the matter. There's always this uh, dichotomy established. There's, there's always this just, juxtaposition between uh, Jews and Gentiles, right? So, so you hear people often talking about Jews and Gentiles, Protestants, and Catholics, right? And, 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 and you see them as, as almost opposite ends of the spectrum. Jesus talks about Gentiles, but he understands he's got some Gentile acting Jews. Because he understands, listen carefully, your position spiritually does not necessarily manifest itself in your practices physically. That's why I said you've got to be careful to make sure that you relate to others differently 
than unbelievers and the unspiritual. Because some of you are saved, you just don't know how to act like you say when it comes to your interacting with other people. He says, uh, the Gentile rulers, they lorded over them, dominating and oppressing their, their, their subjects. They exercise authority over them. Many times they, they exploit them. And that word lord uh, there means to control, to subjugate, right? To exercise dominion over. That word authority uh, literally means to have or take or wield full privilege over someone. Uh, and that authority gives you the right to do whatever you want to do. And then Jesus says, but it is not this way with my followers. It is not this way in the kingdom of God. Here's what Jesus says. A person becomes great by doing what Christ says. See, the world sees greatness as self-serving and selfish, but God's greatness is seen in our selflessness, not in our selfishness. When most of us think about being great in the world, uh, we ask things like, how many people uh, work for that person, right? How, how many people does that person control? Uh, how great an army of servants do they have? How many people can the person impose their will on? That, that determines whether or not that person is great. And Jesus said, no, no, no. The, the greatness of a person is not evidence in how many people serve them it's evidence in how many people they serve. That, that's when we see uh, whether or not you are great. And so Jesus says, um, I, I need you all to change who your model is. right? Because remember, these are followers of Jesus. These are the disciples. But they still have a worldly mentality around service. They are living in a way that is anti-kingdom, when it comes to their view of power and their view of service. Here's the second thing. Number two, you need to realize your desire to be great must be matched by your determination to serve. Your desire to be great must be matched by your determination to serve. Verse 43, Mark chapter 10, yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant, and whoever of you desires to be first shall be the slave of all. So they're arguing over who is the greatest among them. Uh, that word great, megas, means to be the high or the highest, the loud or the loudest, the mightiest, the strongest the most powerful, the most persuasive, the most looked up to. They're arguing, talking about which one of us is the greatest. And Jesus says, oh, let's see which one of you wants to serve first. Let's see which one of you wants to humble themselves first. Um, I remember when I first got here to the church, <clears throat> 
and we had a traditional setup of chairs in the pulpit and uh, there were five chairs and six preachers. And so they used to run to see and make sure they got a seat in the pulpit and which one would get the seat that was close to the pastor. Uh, they, they, they would call themselves the sons of thunder. Uh, so, so they want to get on Reverend Kimball's right and on Reverend Kimball's left. And, and Reverend Peters, I, I threw them all for a loop when I started sitting down on the floor. Chairs were still up here, and I'm sitting down there. And they said, why is Pastor sitting down there? Because they all were galloping to get up there and sit next to me, and I'm sitting on the floor. Hey, what's wrong, what's wrong with Pastor? Why you sit down? So I won't sit up there. I said, I, I, I want folk to be looking for the Lord. I don't want to be looking at me. Trying to determine how they're going to worship based on what I do or what I say. No, no, no. I'm going to sit right down here with everybody else. And, and so after about two or three weeks of that and their discomfort, because now they're sitting up here and I'm not up there. Uh, we eventually slid the chairs on out. And I said to him, I said, now, if, if you want to be impressive, don't try to impress somebody with where you sit. Impress with how you serve. Uh, I want to see if you can outserve me. I don't, I don't want to know if you can outsit me. I want to see if you can outserve me. Who, who can get somebody's water first? Who, who can carry somebody's briefcase first? Who can, who can encourage somebody first? Well, needless to say, after about 30 days to 60 days, I had no more preachers here. They were all gone. I, I didn't ask them to leave. They, they, they just left. Uh, Reverend Bell was a deacon at the time. They, they just decided to leave because they weren't comfortable. I, I was non-traditional. No, I'm just trying to follow Jesus. That's all. I'm just trying to follow Jesus. Right? Uh, Jesus said, you being great is not based on where you sit or where you stand, but where you serve. And the test of worldly greatness is different than the test for kingdom greatness, right? Worldly greatness says, uh, what service can I get out of somebody? Kingdom greatness says, how can I serve somebody? So Jesus says, whoever desires to become great among you shall be a servant. That, that word servant, diakonos, is where we get the word minister from, but it's also the word that's used to describe uh, who the deacon is, that, that we are ministers. We, we are people who are um, specifically committed to meeting the needs of people. He says, and whoever among you desires to be first shall be a slave of all, a doulos, a person who serves at the whim and will of another. He says, that, that, that's what I'm looking for. I, I'm looking for people who will turn this thing upside down. Now, now, let me share with you three problems we have in the body of Christ around serving. We have three problems. Let me, let me share with you three problems. We got a whole lot more, but let me share with you just three. One, we want to be served rather than to serve. 
Now, some of y'all looking at me like, well, Pastor, I don't know why you're talking about the folk in this church like that. You shouldn't be talking about. No, I'm talking to all of us. We rather be served than serve. Uh, imagine, just for a moment, breakfast in bed. Um, imagine breakfast in bed and the smell of Bacon, sausage, fresh coffee, green tea, whatever it is, just wafting through the air. Eggs fixed perfectly and grits at just the right consistency. Or or if you're an oatmeal person, that that oatmeal is just right. Uh, Imagine uh, uh, that that breakfast uh, coming into the door on, on, on that on that tray and imagine that tray being set on that bed and and it's ready to be eaten I mean the temperature of the food is absolutely perfect and and it's just an amazing breakfast you know what every one of y'all put yourselves in the bed waiting on that breakfast to get to you oh no 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 don't get quiet no no none of you were carrying the breakfast up the stairs None of y'all was down there cooking. You sitting there talking about, oh, no, Pastor, I don't like bacon. I like sausage. I want raisin bread. Yeah, you're right. I, I will take some coffee. Can I get some cream and sugar with that? Because we put ourselves in the position to be served, not to serve. Here's the second problem. If we do serve, we don't want to be treated like a servant. Now, I, I serve, but wait a minute, hold on now. Don't, don't get it twisted. And we talking to me any kind of way. Who you think I am, a servant? <laughs> oh, oh, no, we used to have this problem. Uh, thank God we, we've addressed it and we've moved forward. But we used to have this problem sometimes in the food pantry, right? Because folk, man, have, have, have come through uh, some difficult times, a, a tough month. And, and, and especially when we were doing it at that time once a month and we timed it. So we did it at the end of the month. And many times people's uh, money ran out before the month did. Right. And so here they come and, 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 and folk are going through stuff, man. They got an attitude. They mad and whatnot. And man, listen, sometimes we had to pull folk in the food pantry back because the person in the line got an attitude. And then here go our members. Who they think they talking to? Wait a minute, hold on, servant. 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 Doing whatever it takes to fulfill the needs of the person that you are serving. Yeah, 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 Pastor, I'm a servant, but they can't talk to me any kind of way. Wait, whoa, whoa, wait, when'd you switch? When'd your pride kick in? Servant. Because when we serve, we represent the king. And if Jesus could take it, we sure should be able to take it in his name. But but we ready to jump bad, man. Somebody got an attitude. We ready to jump bad because we don't want to be treated like a servant. But here's the third thing. We are usually okay with the idea of serving the Lord, but we have a problem when we have to serve others. 
Oh, man, we love that old song. Elder, serving the Lord, it'll pay off after a while. We want the Lord to say, servant, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've been faithful. Come on up, and I'll make you ruler over me. We good with serving the Lord, but wait a minute. I got to serve people. I got to serve people who don't appreciate it. I got to serve people who don't even have the common core decency to say thank you. I got to serve people who act like it's my job. That, that, that's, that's what you want me to do? And Jesus says, yes. Yes. See, a disciple is to serve others, not his own interests, and we are to do it Two key words, voluntarily and sacrificially. Voluntarily and sacrificially. That's why I said to you, when folk are complaining, talking about, well, there's no service times available. You're talking about just on Saturday between 9 and 12? Or are we going to count the other, what, 164 hours in the week? When do they need servants? Because when they need servants, real servants ought to show up. Because we do not serve out of convenience. We serve out of commitment. If you can't say amen, you ought to say ouch. Here's the third and final thing, the sign. You are a great Christian. Number three, you need to follow the example of Jesus and live a life marked by giving, not getting. Now, Here's what's interesting about this. Living a life marked by giving and not getting. We used to sing an old song in the church when it was time for the offering that you can't beat God giving, no matter how you try. And, and, I, and I'm going to tell you something. I have never given as God has directed and suffered out of that giving. Like I've never had the Lord say to me, bless this person or give to this person or do this or do that, and I even missed what God told me to give. Matter of fact, on the contrary, and I'm not telling you if you give, God is going to give it back to you. What I'm saying is when God tells you to do something, when God tells you to give, when God tells you to serve, he is asking you to do this out of the surplus you already had. I don't sit there and give. I don't sit there and serve and say, now, God, when are you going to give it back? Because I'll be honest with you, I'm serving out of surplus. In other words, God has blessed me beyond my need. And I'm serving out of that place. And, and when I give of my time, my talent, my treasure, my temple, my testimony, when I give out of who I am, I, I position myself to show that I am really like Jesus. Look at verse 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. The Son of Man voluntarily veiled his glory and came as God's servant. He, he took on the form of 
human flesh came into this world through the placenta of a peasant girl and entered into this world in, in, in a way that, that even the servants of the rich had to wonder about, showed up and was born in a barn, in a stable, because there was no room in the inn. This is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And so Jesus basically says to the disciples, if, if you're looking for an example, if you're looking at a model, can, can you just look at me? I, I did not come to be served. I came to serve. I came to give my life as a ransom, as a redemption price to be paid for your redemption. I paid the price of your release. That's why Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 2, there's only one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man Christ Jesus. This, this saying of Jesus is simple, uh, but the pictorial is powerful because he's basically saying uh, you have to be willing to serve even to the point of giving up your life. Now, 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 let me put a quarter in the meter and park there for a second. Because I know some of y'all are saying, I, I ain't Jesus. Like, you, you expecting me to, to go to the cross? Um, let, let me just say this to you. Before you think about going to the cross, can you just think, of, think about giving up some of your comfort? Right? Can, can you just think about giving up some of your comfort, some of your convenience? Um, one of the challenges that we have, especially in the millennial and, and Gen Z generation now, is, is the demand for commitment beyond convenience, right? A am I willing to make a commitment beyond convenience, See, some of y'all are like, well, I, no, man, I ain't going to the cross like Jesus. I mean, I'm trying to be like Jesus, but I ain't trying to be like Jesus, like, for real, like that. Right? I ain't trying to be crucified. It's like, okay. But, but are you willing to at least give up some comfort? See, see here, here's what I need you to understand. When you learn how to take that pattern for life and serve and give, Give of yourself to be a blessing to somebody else. You help change the world in your service. These service projects, and let me give you all a hint. Those of you who may be struggling with them, those of you who may be watching and you haven't done your service project yet, let me see if I can help you. See, you think when you go to serve, you going purely to bless somebody that's being served. And what you fail to realize is that your growth and your development as a Christian is tied to your serving. Uh, when, when you go to the beacon, those of you who haven't been there, you've got basically two stations. Uh, you can be assigned in the kitchen and you're cooking for the homeless. And there are some who will be cooking, some who will be serving and dishing out food to them. And then... There's the laundry team. Now, the laundry team is interesting. I, I, I love the laundry area because here's what happens. 
the homeless people come and they can get their clothes washed. So they give you their dirty, nasty clothes. And you have to wash their clothes. And, then, and I love this. After you wash them and dry them, you fold them. And you give them a stack of clothes folded neatly. And you give it to them with dignity and grace. I, 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 I'm going to be honest with you. I know, I know some of y'all go down there. You, you don't wash your own clothes. <laughs> you don't fold your own clothes. Your, 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 your wife, I mean, if, if I, I can't remember since I've been married when I had to do laundry. My, my wife takes care of it. Right? And, and I'm sitting there like, man, Simpson, I, I, we got to wash the clothes. We got to fold, fold the clothes. But I found there was a joy in serving the least of these. That, that's what Matthew 25 talks about, right? How, how do we treat the least of these? Philippians 2, verse 3, do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this in mind, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Here's the question. Are you willing to submit and sacrifice your desires to become what you need to be in order to help others become all they can be? Um, There's always arguments about who are the best players at in various sports at various positions. Uh, the National Basketball Association, the NBA, for its 75th anniversary came out with a 75th anniversary team. I'm old enough to remember when they named their first major team, the 50th anniversary team. What was amazing was there were players who made the 50th team who didn't make the 75th. And there was some controversy around that. But when I thought about the great players, most of them were great because of their scoring averages and because of the amount of points that they scored and the rebounds that they got and the assists that they got. But they were individually great. But there were some players who were great because they made everyone around them great. Right, um, those of you who are old enough to remember Bill Russell. Uh, Bill Russell uh, was a walking double double, and and had tremendous offensive skills. But you never saw 
those offensive skills on many of those great Celtic teams because he had so many great players around him. He just made sure everybody else got the ball and did what they couldn't do and let them do what they could do. Uh, argument about who's the greatest point guard of all time. For me, it's hard to take magic off the top because he made everybody around him better. Like there was nobody that played with him that wasn't better when he was on the floor. He didn't have the gaudy numbers that other people had with the exception of assists, but he made everybody else better. Here's my question. Who's a better Christian because you're around? Who is seeing Jesus in a way that they would never see him? Because they're seeing Jesus in your actions and your attitude. Who's a better person because of your commitment to serve others? Is your spouse better? Are your children better? Your grandchildren better? And here's what you need to understand. While we count the benefits that somebody else may receive, the truth of the matter is you become better when you learn how to serve. See, serving others is the way you go to where people who are hurting are. Serving others is the way you grow in your walk with God and how you help others to grow. Serving others is the way you show the love of God to people who need to see his love and experience his love in a desperate way. Serving others is the way we help the kingdom of God grow spiritually and numerically. Matter of fact, can I tell y'all a little secret? I'll tell y'all a little secret. So, in the past, when we would talk about evangelism and reaching out to people, right, uh, we didn't do a whole lot of sharing of our faith. I'm not talking about good hope. I'm talking about churches, period. But here's, here's what we would do. You need to come to my church, right? You need to come to my church. Uh, oh, man, my pastor can preach. You need to come to my church, especially when it's a new pastor. And he's young and he's handsome, you know, he got some gifts. Uh, like Deacon Collins used to say, he can preach, pray, and sing. You say, whoa, you, know, oh, you need to come hear my pastor. Uh, oh, got a new worship leader. Woo, you got to come hear our choir. And the invitation was always an invitation to sit, to come and sit in the sanctuary. Here's what we've discovered. The greatest invitation, the greatest evangelistic invitation you can make to a person is not to come sit, but to come with you to serve. People who don't want to sit in church are looking for meaning and purpose in their lives. And they recognize that meaning and purpose doesn't come by coming to sit in a sanctuary and watch somebody else perform. It's when they can get in and roll their sleeves up and get to work and see their life making a difference in somebody else's life. You're serving will bless somebody else, but your serving will benefit you because it's in your serving you show the love of God in a tangible way. 
you show it not by what you say, but by what you do. And my hope and my prayer is that you recognize that one of the keys to your growth is not sitting here taking great notes on Sunday. It's not listening to 24-hour Christian television and 24-hour Christian music. That's all well and good, but you got to live that thing out. You got to put that faith into action. And Jesus says, if you want to be great, be the servant of all. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. I thank you for your people. I thank you for the model and the example that you have given us in your word. I thank you, God, because it's through Christian service that we display arguably the most powerful tool we have to testify to a dying world that you are real and that you can and will change lives. I thank you because it's through Christian service that we show that you can change lives. And that's evident not just by those we are serving, but those who are doing the serving. God, we live in a world where customer service is vital to the life of a business. Help us to recognize that Christian service is vital to the life of a ministry. Customer service helps people to retain customers. Christian service helps churches to retain believers. Christian service will help someone who needs Jesus to know Jesus and help those who know Jesus to grow in Jesus to help somebody else know Jesus. It's when we serve that we put love in action. Our service creates ministry opportunities to show the world that you are real. And so God, help us to take these service opportunities as seriously as possible. And help us that even, even to know that on the back end, you reward faithful servants. There's nowhere in scripture that you declare that we will be rewarded because we are gifted, because we have great talent, because we have great skill. But you have shown us in your word that when we are faithful in our service, you will declare, well done, good and faithful servant. And we thank you, God, for the privilege to be a representative of you, to be used in your kingdom work. I ask your blessings now upon your people that we would be more than just hearers of your word. Help us to be doers. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.